You're listening to Partnernomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. Welcome back to another episode of Partnernomics Podcast. This is Mark Brigman, joined by my sidekick, Mr. Tyler Pittman. What's going on, Tyler? Not much. How are you doing today? Good, man. Uh... How's the marketing going? It's going well. <laughs> getting getting more comfortable and man, every day. Dude, that website's looking good. I know. Man, you find all sorts of cool tools out there and yeah. neat things to just make that website dance, man. It's fun to see different texts and emails and messages and stuff come in. Uh, people complimenting us on the website. Definitely appreciate that. But uh, man, it's good to see. You. Yeah. Seriously, as as I as I keep doing more and more making new pages it makes me want to go back to the previous ones i've made and <laughs> make them look a little better so man it's uh it's, it's definitely looking solid um so what do we have on the agenda today man agenda today we're gonna start with a few listener questions and then we're gonna move to the last aspect of the partnership success pyramid which will be results so We'll begin with the three questions like we've done in the past couple and get started from there. Sound good? That sounds awesome to me. Cool. Well, before we get started, I guess we should let people know where they can send their questions. And a couple ways, either email podcast at partnernomics.com or go to the website under the podcast tab in the header and below the player there, you can shoot us a note and we'll get those answered for you awesome brother so yeah man with the the podcast we're kind of doing a mix of talking about some of the content that we've covered but then also uh, pulling in some some other thought leaders some leadership thought leaders as well as executives and things like that i know that uh we recently launched a podcast with Danny O'Neill, mm-hmm. founder of The Roastery. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, anytime that we have an opportunity to speak to some folks that have some wisdom and insights to share with us about their career, the way they've developed their organizations, the way that they've approached partnerships, we want to make sure and share those. So it's, uh, it's cool just to see how the, the podcast is already starting to evolve. Mm-hmm. And uh, just that's what it's all about, just sharing these nuggets of wisdom with uh, other people that are out there and we hope that the that they're enjoying it yeah there's so many different opinions and takes that i think the more more the merrier as far as who we're getting on here and it's good to keep a little variation as well as informing people of the content we put out so yeah i totally agree there's there's no such thing as you know a one size fits all or, or a one a one direction approach mm-hmm. you know, there's there's lots of different ways that we can achieve quote unquote success, whatever that means for each of us. And yeah, to your point, it's awesome to get different perspectives, you know, because we all have different backgrounds and, um, and just different experiences throughout our lives that we lean on that shape us as leaders and business folks. So yeah, it's cool, man. I, I really enjoy uh, putting the content together and hope people enjoy listening to it. Absolutely. Well, first we've got up, uh, the first listener question for the day is from Kyle, and Kyle asked, Mark, how quickly can you tell if a potential partner is a good fit for your company? Awesome. Yeah, great question. And I think, I mean, this is a big question, deep question. There's a lot of different components to it. 
And some of the things that come to mind uh, for me is the really the framework that we put together. And it's what I use, the, the litmus test, the framework that we have called the Partnership Success Pyramid. And what I try to do as I continue to have conversations with people from a company is to use that litmus test, uh, the, the foundational structure being trust. You know, do I feel like I can form a solid relationship, you know, with this person, but then also these people, right? Because you know, we say that businesses, you know, companies don't do business with companies, people do business with people. And so we need to form relationships or start that process to form relationships with folks within the company because they're the ones calling the shots from their side. So do we feel like we can trust them? The second level, do we feel like we're aligned with our cultures and our goals of where we're trying to go? Third level is uh, transparency. Do we feel like we have and or can have you know, that clear, honest, timely communications with each other? Step four, we call it esprit de corps, but it's really the ultimate level of commitment. Do we feel like we have or we can get that ultimate level of commitment finally to get level five, which is the results? And so what I try to do whenever I'm forming new partnerships is it's you're going to have multiple conversations, right? You're not just going to have one lunch or one coffee and agree to jump into this into this strategic relationship, right. um, especially a high stakes relationship. Maybe if it's a total low stakes, yeah, sure, no big deal. But a high stakes relationship, you are going to want to spend some time, perform your due diligence. And what, what I try to do is just continue to evangelize the story, continue to you know, vet that partner out. And really, this is probably best suited in what we call our five-phase partnering process, mm-hmm. phase two, engage, where we lay out what that looks like as you're having these conversations and you're continually evaluating the, the partner but it's you know just continuing to have and develop that conversation and just get to where you are completely transparent. Right. I mean, both sides know exactly what is being expected of them, and you're signing up to to go for it. And if you're checking all the boxes, then you're ready for it. But uh, obviously, the flip side of that is if you see red flags and you don't feel that you can trust them, you don't feel that you're aligned, you don't have solid communications, you don't feel there's commitment, you cannot be afraid to walk away. Yep. You know, 70% of partnerships between two organizations fail within two years. There's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a firm believer that most partnerships that are formed probably should never be formed. Right. And it's because they don't provide or they don't perform that due diligence on the front end. Prior, right. Yeah, totally agree. Um, the next question we have in is from Olivia. And Olivia wants to know, do you recommend doing a SWOT analysis before beginning to put deals in place? Absolutely. Um, a SWOT analysis, you know, in corporate America or, or in day-to-day business is kind of a four-letter word. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not SWOT. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's, we've all been involved in SWOT analysis exercises, and they're not pleasant, and it feels that they're unproductive. But we don't like it because they feel that they're unproductive. You know, just like meetings. Most of us don't like meetings. Why? The vast majority of them are unproductive. Mm -hmm. A SWOT analysis, I use the analogy of like an MRI or a CAT scan that your physician uses. 
SWOT analysis, whenever they're done correctly, they can provide that 360 degree view of a situation for an organization. You know, whether it's deal specific or it's company specific or it's product specific, you can, you can have, you know, whatever lens you want to look at it. But the thing that I love about it is it's kind of the, the elements that you can control that's the strengths and the weaknesses, the positives and the negatives. And then it also has this external view, the kind of this, um, this industry view that you don't necessarily have control over. Um, and that is the, the opportunities and the threats, mm-hmm. the negatives and the positives. So it gives you this opportunity at this 360 degree view. And we definitely encourage people to use it. We actually have a full lesson on how to use it, not only what SWOT is, but how to, to perform a SWOT analysis effectively um, and the value that it can provide. Yeah. Well, I wish my college professors gave me a uh, more detailed explanation like that. My SWOT might have been a little better. <laughs> <laughs> we have all been a part of SWOT analysis exercises that feel like a total waste of time. They just feed you a template and it explains each aspect and says, go ahead, fill it out. <laughs> so, uh, next we have a question in from Terry and Terry asked Mark in your book and partneronomics courses, you talk about finding a growth engine. Can you frame up the concept and share a process for doing so? Yeah, definitely. So a growth engine is, it's that innovation that we are going to execute that's going to create a competitive advantage. And so there's a whole range of, of partnerships. And what I mean by that is, you know, the, the term partnership falls on a spectrum or any partnership that we have is on a spectrum. All the way from, you know, very transactional, which is what we call these vendor relationships, to the opposite end of the spectrum, which is a strategic partnership, which is a high stakes, high innovation approach or an attempt to create a competitive advantage. Well, what is a competitive advantage? Well, that just simply means that we have, or we will, once we're successful, we will have pricing power, which means it's gonna be a profitable product. Mm -hmm. It's guaranteed to be a profitable product. And so, um, what we have people do is, you know, the, the growth engine, it requires us to, to take a look at what we're trying to do and really to perform, um, you know, an analysis, a research of what are the opportunities that's in the market for us to create this competitive advantage. And really it starts by looking at the SWOT analysis. You know, we use the SWOT and that really becomes the base framework Um, of where we compile our our information to understand our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Um, Then we have some other frameworks as well. One of them is the constraints model um, that was put together by Dr. Eli Goldratt from his book, The Goal. I want to say it was like from 1984, but it was a a phenomenal book, sold millions of copies. But uh, it, it asks us to look at our business or look at different opportunities through a lens of constraints. And we've all probably heard the phrase, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Mm -hmm. Well, that actually came from that book, The Goal. (laughs) 
And so it, it asks us to you know, look at our business, look at opportunities, look at products as a linear set of inputs. And any place that we have a weak link, we must go in and, and strengthen that link by providing the correct resources there to, to strengthen that, that link of the chain. Mm-hmm. And so how do we strengthen the links of chains? We would do it one of three ways. Organically, we build it ourselves. We kind of, we put resources, our own company resources to it. The second way is through acquisition. We go out and buy other companies or buy the capabilities to strengthen those links. Or the third way, and uh, in our biased opinion, the most effective way, (laughs) it's partner, right? (laughs) We work with other companies and we leverage their knowledge, their assets, their capabilities to you know, complement our own to strengthen those, those links. Yeah. I mean, we've been putting more and more stuff out on LinkedIn and some of the articles I've put out, man, you can really, you can see the difference that partnerships make for companies that do it correctly. Yeah. What was the, the, you put one out, um, about a shoe partnership. Yeah, it was actually Kanye West. Kanye? Yeah. Yeah. With Yeezy and Adidas and it's, what what was the quote? Bank Ameri- Bank of America valued them at three billion dollars. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Just the shoe side, yeah. and that doesn't even include all the clothing lines. Yeah, and they said his his biggest hit wasn't even music. It was it's the shoes. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing what it can it can just exponentially grow your business. Good for Adidas too, getting in on it at the time they did. <laughs> but there's there's been a lot of people that's done that, right? Dr. Dre. Yep. Right. Did it with Beats. With Beats. And then and, Apple, you know, Apple buys them, right? For a bill. Yeah, for a nice little cool bill. Yeah, that so, wouldn't be bad. <laughs> yeah, there's partnerships all around, man. We just got to have our eyes open. And as business leaders, we just we need to be looking at what is it that we need? What mm-hmm. are the resources that we need? And as as our economy becomes so much more using so much more technology, so much more globalized, so much more complex, it's impossible to do it alone. Yeah. And so if we can leverage the the power of partnership, leverage the capabilities of other companies, you know, those are the organizations that's really going to win in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. That's where the innovation is going to happen because then you're not, you're not doing it alone because like you said, it's, it's not going to be doable whenever the economy is growing like it is and becoming so dependent on technology. So, yeah, I mean, just each of us as individuals, as human beings, I mean, obviously we have our own limitations or our companies are no different. Mm-hmm. Our companies have limitations as well. That's right. And, um, and just with the, this new digital economy that we live in, this new massively globalized economy, there is so much opportunity and it's just a matter of one of our competitors taking advantage of those new capabilities. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's about results. We're business professionals, business leaders. And at the end of the day, if, if we're not getting the results, whether we're talking financially or other words, uh, then it's, it's kind of all for naught in the end. And so, you know, what are the core aspects or what, what is required to get results. And I think there's there's several different themes that play in here. And 
one of those, it all comes down to leadership. Okay, well, leadership is a really big word. Break that down. What does it mean? Well, I think it's, it's culture and it's accountability. You know, those are two you know, very important words that, that comes into this. Um, and I know that we had launched uh, one of the thought leader Q&As mm-hmm. uh, recently as well that you pushed out. And it has Chris McChesney, the author of The Four Disciplines of Execution. And Chris was talking about accountability. And so I, d- I don't tell you which ones to put out, right? The no. Q&A, it's totally up to you. Yep. You have a chance to look through dozens and dozens of different thought leader interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, why did you choose this? Why did you choose accountability? Uh, you know, I go typically when I'm, I usually choose the person I want to put the, put out that day first. And then I'll kind of go back through what I, the Q and A's I've cut up. And then, yeah, I, the one that just drew to me today, he was the message he has behind accountability and I mean, he's with the four disciplines of execution. He's studied it. I mean, he knows he knows how to get how to keep people accountable and the best way to do it. And yeah, I just thought the message spoke volumes to everything in business. So I thought it was a very good Q and A. Yeah, I love the line that he said that you know nobody gets excited about preseason mm-hmm. playoffs. <laughs> everybody gets excited about the playoffs. Uh-huh. And it's why it's, it's high stakes. That's right. That's when it counts. In the four disciplines of execution, Chris has the, the cadence of accountability. And, you know, he says that all-star players want and expect for everybody to be held accountable, you know, themselves and everybody around them. And I think a lot of times we view accountability or holding others accountable as, you know, just a, a way to be the bad guy or to cause, you know, disruptions or whatever. But the fact of the matter is when we don't hold others accountable, we don't have the performance, then that is kind of a recipe for disaster. You know, whenever you think about teams, Mm -hmm. for example, you've played sports all your life. It's, I mean, don't you have respect and admiration for coaches and players that, they not only hold you accountable because they want you to be the best form of you that you can be, but they also hold themselves accountable. Yeah. I mean, I always saw it as if, if they, you know, I always told people to hold me accountable, but don't be surprised if I'm going to hold you accountable. I just think it works both ways because if there's no accountability there, you know, you can get away with slacking off and not performing to your best accountability. I think just, it makes you want to perform to that the level that somebody else expects you to and believes in you to be able to, you know, perform at. So, yeah, I think Chris Chris also brought up a really good point in in what he said in that Q and A, and it's people are more likely. And then Chris has worked with thousands and thousands of companies across the country. He's um, a Franklin Covey senior consultant has been for over two decades, but he said that. People can sometimes justify letting themselves down, but they cannot justify letting each other down. Right. And that's what we see in, in really strong teams is the ability to work really hard and do whatever it takes to perform 
for others, mm-hmm. you know, for the team. It's mm-hmm. about the team. It's about the bigger, you know, the, the bigger side of what organizations are trying to do. And that takes us back to the other word that I mentioned, culture. You know, there's um, Peter Drucker famously said that culture eats strategy for breakfast. <laughs> well, Chris's book is called, you know, The Four Disciplines of Execution. Well, in execution, it always starts with a strategy. Right. But the strategy means nothing if, if you don't have the right people, the right culture, where you're working together to win. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah. all about the team and the team winning for the team's sake. It's not individuals or it's not just purely about doing work, but it's, it's, the, it's those non-tangibles of people working together out of emotions and desires and feelings of purpose. Mm-hmm. There's such a correlation between sports teams and business teams that, you know, I see whenever I've had a selfish teammate and they would get upset, you know, if they personally didn't perform and it wasn't because they let the team down, it was because they didn't perform and they were thinking about themselves. And I just see it, the the team performed a lot better when you had a bunch of guys that if they failed they felt like they were failing the team not themselves and i always thought that that went the extra mile and the dudes on the team the people on the team really they took that a lot better than somebody just woe is me upset at themselves you know yeah yeah we definitely see this in strategic partnerships as well Mm -hmm. you know i mean it's it's always a battle whenever we're you know trying to we have some innovative initiative something that's new fresh right we're kind of Wielding the ship as we sail it, you know, as as commonly said, um, the stakes are high, and it's it's about executing against that vision and not letting each other down. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see that time and time again. That's that's definitely, you know, what you know we we see that just totally manifest itself. There's a couple of statistics or a couple of things I'd like to throw out here. And one of those is it's kind of a famous study from the Gallup poll. It says that only 13% of employees are quote-unquote actively engaged at their work. You know, only 13% of employees are actively engaged at their work. And, man, it's... First of all, I might just think it's sad. You know, just super sad that people aren't more vested, aren't more excited or engaged in the work that they're doing. It mm-hmm. makes me wonder, you know, why, why don't they find something else? But then I, I want to kind of understand that better. And that's one of the reasons that I reached out to uh, Dr. Paul Zak, and uh, he wrote the the book Trust Factor. Man, it's a phenomenal book, fascinating book, and you know, we did a, a thought leader conversation with him. But he said that um, employees who claim to have a great team culture cite two reasons. Number one, they have high levels of trust with their coworkers, and number two, a transcendent purpose that the team is working toward. You know, I know we go back to, to talking a lot, especially in um, the strategic partner leadership model, mm-hmm. that first element being vision. vision yep. So what is vision, right? We're creating this, this vision and this mission for our company and the importance of that. And, you know, it's about purpose. It's about having individual purposes and understanding what we're individually after. But then organizations need to have a purpose as well and have employees that are aligned to that purpose. Right. You know, and they're they're willing to do whatever it takes to accomplish that 
that vision for, for the organization and what it's, what it's for. So, yeah, getting results, what's it about? Uh, in general, it's leadership, but that's kind of a, a loose, really broad word. But really, it comes down to culture and accountability. You know, and we get execution, the four disciplines of execution. We get execution from accountability. That's right. You know, having, having that a cadence of accountability, that's the, that's the fourth discipline. That's what uh, Chris talks about at the very end of his book. And uh, it's a phenomenal read, but that's what it all comes down to. Yeah. And if, if we're not getting results, then it's, 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 it's for not. Yeah, we're not going to last very long. We've got to figure out a different, different way to get it done. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a... About all the time we got for today, but hey, we're getting we're getting to double digits here on our episode <laughs> amount. So that's right. It'll be fun to look at it whenever we hit uh, triple digits one of these days. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Partneronomics Podcast. We'll see you next time. Partneronomics Podcast is brought to you by Partneronomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partneronomics Podcast, visit partneronomics.com. <laughs>